My name is Chris. I'm Andy. And I'm Steve. And this is Streaming Things, the unofficial Stranger Things podcast. Welcome, all and sundry. This is the seventh edition of Stranger Things 4. Our coverage is about to come to a pause. (laughs) (laughs) To a pause. You know that phrase, things are about to come to a pause. Yeah. Yeah. As everyone says... Uh, thank you to all of our new listeners. We have a ton. And thank you to all of our old listeners. We love you very much. Yeah, thanks um, for checking us out. Having a blast. Having a ball. I want to say a few things. Uh, very important. I hope I don't forget any of them. First off, get ready. Uh, betwixt part one and part two. Uh, after all this, we plan to have an episode probably sometime next week where we recap all of part one, uh, theorize and talk about what we think might happen in part two, and also do a bit of a mailbag. Mailbag. So we've been getting lots of good uh, listener feedback and listener predictions, uh, Easter eggs that the people listen to the show have found that we didn't find, stuff like that. So we want to read all those out. So if you want to join that mailbag episode... Right into streamingthingspod at gmail.com. That's streamingthingspod at gmail.com. We've already got some good emails that we're planning on reading out in those episodes as well. Absolutely. And be sure to, um, you know, point out how you want to be identified and where you're writing from, because that'll be fun. Mm-hmm. From my computer. Yes. And if you're in the States. <laughs> by my name. Susie in Salt Lake City. <laughs> if, you, if you're in the, the United States, we do have a phone call or a phone line you can call and leave us a voicemail on. If you are so inclined to do, if that's easier for you instead of typing up an email. Uh, Andy, I need your help with this one. That number is 859-757-4051. Indeed. If you are in the continental United States, you can use that number to reach out to us and leave a voicemail for it. Good call, Steve. Uh, I also want to say, and this is silly, because uh, I've gotten a few, um, not angry, perhaps, but just a couple of little things. Uh, you know, for all the new listeners, we're just a bunch of silly guys, okay? We're just three friends sitting on a silly couch boys. watching TV. So we are want to have fun. We say some silly things. We have a lot of inside jokes that we run straight to the ground because that's fun for us. We don't mean any offense to anyone at any time. None of the uh, the good paramedics of Hawkins, Indiana, uh, <laughs> we meant to slight whatsoever or anything like that. So I just want to throw that out there. Right? That was a good thing to say, right? Yeah. yeah. We're just being silly goosies. We mean no harm. It hurts in my heart. That's where it hurts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Plus, friends don't lie. And that's our mantra here on, on streaming things. Um, also, you can go to our Patreon. Uh, Patreon.com slash streaming things. You can subscribe at a variety of tiers to get some bonus content. If you really are digging what we do, that's a good idea to help us out. That would be wonderful. We'd really appreciate that. We've got a lot of good stuff already on there and a bunch more things planned down the, down the way, down the pipeline, down that Um, old dusty trail. Yeah. What I was trying to think of a good (laughs) idiom and I was coming up with nothing. Thanks for making one up on the fly, Steve. You're welcome. Down the old dusty trail. (laughs) Appreciate that. (laughs) We've got uh, stranger things themed D and D trivia game that we did before stranger things Four. Um, so it's only the first three seasons of trivia. 
And you can watch, uh, you can listen to Andy and I butcher. Sucks so hard at trying to figure out music. At least yeah. the music section. You guys yeah. were crushing the general Stranger Things trivia, but when it got to the music section, you guys, uh, you guys struggled. Shit the bed, as the <laughs> children say. Yeah. Nobody knows who Cindy Lauper is. All right. <laughs> oh, but that man. guy that she oh, sings man. with. Now that he's a star. <laughs> Whoever that yeah. is. That man. And do we survive? Do we make it to the end? And do we are yeah. we heroes? There's a whole D&D campaign. Do we win? That's the question of the day. You only find out if you subscribe to our Patreon. Um, I think that's all the business news of right now that's of import. Oh, except if you don't uh, if you're not financially able to support streaming things, that's more than understandable, especially in today's climate. Uh, you can support us by rating and reviewing the show wherever you're at. And I just want to point out, if you love the show, please be loud about it, because people that don't like the show have no problem finding the time <laughs> to review the show. <laughs> We've been going down a little bit. A couple of people that don't like the show and wanted to tell us about it. And that's fine. I get it. I don't like myself. I deal with a lot of self-loathing. If I could review myself, mm, two stars. Mm, bad a B. <laughs> <laughs> F plus. <laughs> Click. Uh, but today, as we said, we're going to be talking about the last episode of Stranger Things 4 Part 1. But before we do that, we have a little gimmick here that we started this season. We indulge in some Stranger Things themed Mad Libs. And usually it's Andy and I that get to pick the words. But I thought, you know what? Steve came up with this little game. Why doesn't, it? why doesn't he get to play? We flipped it. We flipped it. So it's I'm going to be in charge. Turn. Steve, you start us off. I need an animal, sir. Uh, an animal? Let's go with woodpecker. Mm. Mm. Andy, I need a color. Uh, let's go with mauve. Is that how you pronounce it? I thought it was mauve. Yeah. I don't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> One of those. Colonial puce. Let's, no. <laughs> uh, I need a country, Steve. Uh, Belgium. Okay, Enza. Sh- right. Shout out to Enza. <laughs> and verb. Mm, let's go with line dance. Uh, verb, Steve. Pickpocket. Occupation, Andy. Cheesemaker. Person in room. Chris. Andy, type of food. Uh, let's go with Swiss. We're talking Swiss cheese. We got a cheesemaker and we got Swiss cheese. Yeah. Noun. Cape. Adjective. Aromatic. Noun. It's not easy in the hot seat, is it? Leg brace. Yeah, my, my instinct is to just look at the table and be like, yeah, blam. That's what I was doing. Remember I did salt and driftwood one time? <laughs> oh, that was the name of the candle. <laughs> the, the, the title of the candle's not facing me, so I didn't catch on to that at all. <laughs> celebrity? Uh, Cindy Lauper. I'm surprised you didn't say, no, a celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> the way you disrespect the Lauper. Uh, verb ending in S. Squirts. Ew. Part of the body plural. Mm, let's go with toes. Number three. Silly word. Ragamuffin. <laughs> I like ragamuffin. That's a good one. All right, folks, stay tuned to find out what we wrote accidentally in the title Robin Cracking the Code. That's mm. going to be very, very interesting. Are you guys ready? So ready. I am not. I'm not going to lie. I have a thing that I do. Everything has boiled down to this episode you know we started this journey a couple days ago we stayed up super late until 3 a.m to watch the first episode now a few days later here we are we're gonna we're haggard we're yeah we're stuffed full of cheese its yeah i'm not gonna lie yeah we're pretty tired uh thank you for joining us on this journey we tried to get it out as quickly as possible uh because we know here if you can't be the best you got to be first Mm -hmm. and we knew we couldn't be the best so we had to be first yeah 
Yeah, uh, listener, if you don't know, like we would come over here to Andy's place. Andy's a gracious host. I want to take a moment here and just shout out Andy's amazing host skills. He got charcuterie boards and you know uh, it. personalized beverages for Chris and I. He's <laughs> such a wonderful host. So thank you, Andy, for I doing made that. Hummus. He he made his own hummus, and boy, is it fire! It's fire. And we would stay up super late, watch the show together, come up here on the mic, watch the so like what is just an hour to you all per episode is an is three hours for us recording and then i have to go home and spend another hour to hour and a half editing everything hero so you're the bob newbie i'm so tired (laughs) thank you steven with a ph i respect you thank you sir thank you thank you for actually on my name as we listen as we as we speak this uh it's worth noting thank you all because we've done it we are the number six tv and film podcast in the world according to apple podcasts at the moment at the moment, yeah. as I said, as we speak, that, that changes very frequently. Uh, and and we are the number one Stranger Things podcast on Apple Podcast. And it's surreal. No matter what else happens, we did it. Yeah, you can't take that away from we us. We did it. I Jeffrey mean, can, Bezos. But- <laughs> Jeffrey Bezos. You did it. Congratulations. <laughs> that's and that's it. all because of you guys, the listeners. Thank you so much for, you know, if you stuck with us this whole time, if you've been with us since the first time we came out in 2017, thank you for sticking with us. And if this is the first season you've uh, popped in and said hello and listened to our epi- any of the episodes we did, thank you so much for... Hello? That's what one of them said. He just sent an email that said, hello? Hello? Question mark. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so- yeah, thanks so much, guys. It really means a lot. So let's go out on a high note tonight, and then we'll be back next week with our extravaganza mailbag episode. But for right now, let's talk about Chapter 7, The Massacre at Hawkins Lab, which Netflix describes thusly. There's a massacre at Hawkins Lab. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) As as Hopper braces... dead kids. (laughs) As Hopper braces to battle a monster, Dustin dissects Vecna's motives and decodes a message from beyond. L finds strength in a distant memory. All right. So let's first thing talk about overall. What did you guys think about chapter seven? What are your overall thoughts, Andy? You know, we discussed this a little bit, I think off mic. We never did in uh, on, on the recording, but these episodes are longer than any episodes we've had before. And this is the longest that we've watched yet. And it did not feel like that at all. That was mm-hmm. like over an hour and a half. Yeah. Oh yeah. And so it felt like a normal episode, right? Like as far as pacing and like how, how worn out am I afterward? And, uh, I just, I, at this entire season, I, I, massive credit to the Duffers. I, there has yet to be an episode where I wasn't roaring for the next one. And that's sure. awesome. I, I saw a lot of uh, discourse online when they announced the episode lengths, like, Oh my God, you're, these are going to, each one's a feature length movie. You guys messed up. You should have done 15 episodes. No, they, they knew what they were doing and they crushed it. So all to say is this episode, this f- finale of part one, once again, they crushed it. This episode was awesome. It was everything that I hoped it would be. Chris, you called pretty much all of it. I don't know if you, any of it happened on the mics, but, uh, when we, I know. I hope it's recorded, but I don't think I don't think the Vecna part was. That was just on the couch. Yeah, but I'll say Chris. Chris knew what was up. He he could see behind the curtain, and I was impressed. Uh, but yeah, the episode was great. Uh, only little quibbles I had were with some kind of silly CGI. But other than that, uh, it was high stakes, high reward, and I loved it. Absolutely, and it's worth saying because you were talking about the episode runtimes being well done. Um, and the fact that it's split up into part one and part two, I've got a friend on the Tiki Taki who's really smart. And he knows a lot about TV. 
Uh, and his theory is that they did this to qualify for this year's Emmys, because I think you have to have six episodes or more debuting before a July cutoff date to qualify for a certain year's Emmys. Um, Yeah, that's true. That's what he thinks the reason for the split is. But they where they cut it off at in episode seven at the end just seems like right on the money, fucking perfect for uh, just a month of pure hype and speculation. I like nobody who just witnessed that is going to not watch eight and nine. Right. You'd have to be a madman. Um, Plus Netflix is going to retain the subscribers for that extra month. The people that just pop in for Stranger Things. And I'm sure that they Mm -hmm. exist. But uh, yeah, it, it was awesome. And if they had stopped at six, I would have been like, fuck you. So like as far as, as far as the pacing of when to cut part one and part two. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If they had cut it off, which is Steve being eaten by the bats and be like, oh, my God. Yeah. Um, I would have been mad. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I, I, I feel like they because uh, remember when that ended with Steve, get, I, I went, oh, my God, because I knew we had to stop and record. <laughs> right. And I was just so furious. <laughs> I actually think Andy literally did say fuck you. He screamed that out. Yeah. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's been. Well, he just says that all the time. Yeah. Oh, that, oh <laughs> I guess. Panty. The fact that you were looking at me a reason. <laughs> no, 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 no. Steve, what did you think of this episode? Uh, this episode was amazing. It was it was great. Um, Andy touched on the episode lengths. I, I, again, these are the longest Stranger Things episodes there have been, but they move at such a nice clip. You don't feel it. It's amazing. I know me personally heading into the season, there was a lot of people like, oh, my God, I'm so tired just looking at looking at this episode runtime and i didn't feel that way i was just kind of like sweet more stranger things they're gonna land it they've never really done us wrong and they continue to not do us wrong uh the only reason i looked at the run times and felt tired is because i knew i also had to edit yeah. so that's why i was tired looking <laughs> at those run times but um yeah this episode was amazing because it 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 flipped the script on some things. It revealed a lot of information and uh, answered a lot of questions that we've been asking this season. Didn't answer all of them, so you got that little bit of a you you, you had a satisfying amount of information given to you, but it, but also information I had forgotten that I wanted. They answered questions like. How did Will communicate while he was in the Upside Down? Stuff yeah, like that. Absolutely. That have, you know, that were questions we asked during season one, but I think like we're so far removed from it, we kind of forgot that that was a question and they brought that back. And I'm like, oh, hell yeah. I want to learn more about the actual rules of the Upside Down. They what? actually raised another question for that for me, but we'll get to it when we get into the deep mm-hmm. dive. But they did. They answered a lot of questions. Raised a lot more, though. What was under Lucas's bed? Mm, we don't <laughs> know. I want to know. Yeah. Cal Puncher. <laughs> I'll punch you, that's what it was. But no, it, it ends in the most perfect spot. Like I can't imagine because we were kind of talking before they announced what episode was going to be the cutoff for part one. We kind of just assumed it would be in the middle of the run. So we're like, oh, episode four or five. But can you imagine knowing what we know now if the if part one ended at episode four or five? Like mm. it would be like four would be better, but five would be yeah. maddening. Four would be a, a fine actually cutoff point, but Five would be maddening for sure. Mm-hmm. And, and this is the perfect way to end because not only you get that that lump that lump of information that we, we've been wanting, but it's also the type of information that's like that hypes you up for more. Yes. Yeah. And there's still a huge cliffhanger, which we'll get to. Mm-hmm. But there's such a satisfying resolution, like you said, of, uh, of a central mystery uh, that gets, gives us plenty to talk about. Uh, and what a what a twist. Uh, listeners don't know this, but when the eight minutes of footage dropped on YouTube, uh, I had misinterpreted it and thought that the 
quote unquote murderer that was witnessed because it's the eight minutes that was released is the opening eight minute sequence uh, yeah, flashback. And I, I had interpreted it as uh, uh, a different numbered psychic student of Dr. Brenner's, not 11, that murdered everybody and that we had an antagonist now, a sentient uh, anti-11, right? Like a like a Magneto to 11's um, Xavier. Uh, Xavier. And I was really excited about that. And then Andy, we were texting back and forth and Andy's like, that was 11, you idiot. And uh <laughs> I was like, we, what? And I think we touched briefly on it in one of our episodes. I think the hype really, cast, how we kind of made and fun so of it. So that ended up in a weird way being what actually did happen. And I was <laughs> yeah. like, that's so good. It was so cool. I was like, yay. It was the crack on the wall behind 11 that you were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, all that is to say, I really like this episode too. The, a lot of people online are like, oh, hands down four and seven best Stranger Things episodes of all time. I don't know if I feel that way about seven, but I thought this was wonderful for sure. Uh, I, I would almost say one in four are probably my favorite of this season. Uh, and I think six is the sleeper. Uh, everybody's sleeping really on good. six for yeah. sure. I know Andy feels very strongly about oh, six. Six was incredible. Yeah. Still my favorite. Uh, definitely the most fun. I think that's the funniest Stranger Things has ever been. Mm-hmm. Um, because like the the Max binoculars and the whole Susie thing are all in six. Yeah. yeah. Um, some really good jokes land in that one. But let's get into the recap. I hope I did well. There's a ton of notes here. I tried my best to to write down some things that would clue me as to what the hell I was talking about. But there's a lot that goes on in this episode. So help me out if I need it. Uh, but this, it opens up right where it left off with Steve and the bats. Steve's looking shredded with his little hairy chest fighting these bats. And it looks like he's in grave peril. Uh, but Nancy and the gang show up and there's this hilarious. It, it works. It's dramatic and it's a cool shot. But it's really funny because he's being eaten by three bats. Mm-hmm. And Nancy hits one of them and then pauses for a long dramatic moment. And he's like, yeah, you son of a bitch. And I'm like, keep going. He's still getting chewed on. You need to hurry it up. Those other two could get an artery. Come on. (laughs) Uh, And that whole sequence plays out like um, when Andy and I were in high school and we were kids, we went through a phase uh, where we were really into like heavy metal, but like corny heavy metal like iron maiden stuff like that and they they are want to have these iron maiden considered corny to me yeah uh, okay (laughs) to me and they are want to have these like really metal for lack of a better word like album covers and album art uh that's what this whole sequence reminded me of especially with eddie there you know the the way that the the color grading was and the, the just the shape of the bats things. It's like Castlevania-esque, like, you know, that's, I don't know if that was intentional, but that's the vibe I got throughout this whole action sequence. Yeah, it's like a skeleton with long hair wearing a bandana and there's like <laughs> yeah, in the yeah, background. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, I know what Iron Maiden is. I just, <laughs> I just didn't know they were considered corny in the realms of metalheads. I didn't. Well, Steve, now we're going to get some angry emails for sure. Yeah. Thanks for calling okay. that out there. <laughs> hey, as a fan of Iron Maiden, I'm just like, oh, I'm corny. Okay, cool. Right on. I'm sorry to tell you this. Steve. I guess I'll have to run to the hills. Dear. <laughs> <laughs> Running up the hill. Run. Oh, I was actually quoting an Iron Maiden song. Yeah, Steve, you're being, a, was real, a, double you're being a real whammy. trooper and I appreciate it. Oh. <laughs> I don't have an Iron Maiden joke. Megadeth. <laughs> Got him. There, I'm part of the club. Uh, and then, then we cut. Is there anything else you want to say about the or or slapping scene? <laughs> or slapping. I, I, I saw a couple people online who were like, oh, man, that's dumb. They ran into the woods and didn't run back into the That portal. was my next note. And it's like, well, they couldn't go back to the portal. There were bats guarding it. 
And that's that was the whole like we can take them, but then more bats were showing up. That's why they yeah, ran. But the way that that scene is shot, they could have easily made it like way more insurmountable looking. Because to me, um, I don't know if you ever played this game at a swimming pool as a kid, where like people would be in the pool and they try to like guard you sharks and minnows is that what it's called mm-hmm. and you can easily dive over them that's the whole game is that you dive over them and then you try to get to it blah 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 blah. so the way that that shot is framed to me it's like the little uh hot tub where they came in with like five bats around it and then like mm, i don't know 200 yards away a whole swarm of bats to me sprint and swan dive into the hole over the bats you might get bit but you're out you're home free they're not going to follow you and so it looks a little silly yeah, but I, it seems actually way more dangerous to run to the woods yeah. from the swarm. That's, that's what people are saying, and I agree with them. I don't know if I necessarily agree. As someone who sees who saw those bats, I wouldn't fucking do that. I'd be like, yeah, woods sound great. I'll just wait until they fly away, <laughs> then I'll come back. I guess. <laughs> They're dumb guess. fucking bats. I can wait them out. It did work out for everybody but one. Um, <laughs> then we cut to uh, Hotbox and Wallace. They're still hotboxing my guy. That poor dude. He's like, how'd you sleep? They did that overnight. Yeah, they're like, he's like, not great. Not going to lie to you. You got a crick. <laughs> Could you <laughs> got a crick in my neck? Wait till I get to Yelp, motherfuckers, giving y'all one star. This is terrible. No AC, zero stars. <laughs> this is the worst Airbnb of all time. How bad do you think that guy smells in that moment? Like, <laughs> I mean, it's not nothing of his own. You know, it's not his fault. He was but like, oh man, in there all night. Honestly, probably like a, like a farty hot dog. I'm sure, medium rare steak. <laughs> like, probably not bad. Yeah, that's a pretty uh, awful way to torture somebody. But he he cracks. We we all know that he cracks because he said, "Hey, at least just promise me you won't hurt her." And the guy's like, "Oh, for for totes McGee's." my guy let's tap it out (laughs) i would never hurt her um we all know that's that's probably a lie so i'm calling it now and this is probably obvious uh opening of season uh, episode eight we get because we didn't see the california crew at all in this episode Mm -hmm. so opening of eight has to be uh mike and the gang argyle and them showing up at the bunker in the van simultaneously ish with the 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 evil faction of the government Mm -hmm. right and then Probably Owens dies in like a shootout because he's survived a lot and that would be kind of sad. Um, maybe Brenner redeems himself a little bit and makes a sacrifice. I don't know, but that's what I see. What do you guys think about that? Sound good? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that uh, I, I'm sorry to say, but Paul Reiser is going to die. You think so, too? Yeah, he's he's too caring. He's going to that big diner in the sky. <laughs> maybe. Look. I don't know. I don't know. You I don't think. Oh, Steve's not sold. I think it'll be one or the other will die. Brenner or Paul Reiser. It won't be both. It'll be one or the other because the one of them has to continue on the ex, the to provide further information for further seasons. Um, either or. Are, Do are, they though? I think so. I think that I mean, that's that's a part of the government and the side of the upside down that if you lose them, you lose that thread or at least some part of it. Well, you lose that ally and it makes it seem even more insurmountable. Your task now, you don't have your in any yeah. longer. And I think true, but that you things are going to stay it's very supernatural from here on out. Here's my mm-hmm. and word. This is for another episode, perhaps, but it's kind of on topic. Um, get your guys' brains a cooking. Typically, we get everything wrapped up in a nice little bow, but the Duffers have never had the next season planned out before. They do now. So I don't expect everything from this season to wrap up like it usually does. And then everything calm down and then the next events to be a surprise. I think the danger will be ongoing from this season into next, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think so too. And so I don't think you necessarily need like the whole government plot line. I see what you're saying. And I know for sure. One thing I know 
Dr. Brenner does not survive this show. That would make zero sense. Mm-hmm. Correct. Right. He is. He started the child fights. He's just done a whole bunch of bad things. <laughs> um, now, that legacy will live on because that's a good show. But any who's uh, we cut to speaking to Dr. Owens and, and Dr. Brenner, the, they're talking. Dr. Owens has regrets. He's basically uh, looking at 11 like, hey, this shit ain't working. You made me promises. She still doesn't have powers. But, and now she's really sad. So everything's worse. Thanks a lot for that. And he walks away and Brenner's like, oh, my God, she is really sad. Mystery number one solved. We now know what Dr. Brenner's first name is. Did we, not befo- did we for sure not before the Marty? I'm not for sure that we didn't, but it was news to me. <laughs> Mystery now solved. Steve now knows. <laughs> I now know his first name was Martin. <laughs> Dr. Martin Brenner. Hello, Marty B here. <laughs> <laughs> Marty B on the ones and twos. <laughs> DJ Marty B. Uh, then we get a Brenner pep talk with Eleven. Uh, and he's like, you're really sucking it up out there. You're embarrassing me in front of my friends. You really got to get your I, shit together. Eleven, I really want Paul Reiser to take me to the diner. This is my chance to impress him, and you're ruining it for me. I have a lot riding on this. There's a house special. <laughs> I gave you that tattoo. And it's really straight. I do I, I do love that reveal that Dr. Brenner is the one that's giving. He personally giving, gave them the tattoos. I've been working on my line work. <laughs> do you want to see my flash? It's so, the lines are so perfect. You, I bet you thought it was a brand. It's not. It's my brand because I am a tattoo artist. Signed, Marty B. Um, that's a tattoo name is marty b <laughs> um i don't know why i have gray written in bold letters next to that brenner pep talk oh he, he says oh. he says the world isn't about superheroes and monsters reality is much more in this gray and, and i like that even though it's weird coming from dr brenner it's still the theme of this entire at least part one right that uh we've all at least to me because you've got the the whole idea of everyone's guilt and the fact that Things are gray. Like, yeah, the guy did murder people in World War II. That doesn't mean he's an evil person. Uh, he just blames himself for that. And, uh, you know, Fred's, you know, incident with the, the hit and run or whatever transpired there. The world is very gray. Not everybody's no one is perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you got Dr. Brenner himself, the madman, echoing that same sentiment. Um, and then we cut to uh, we, we get the reveal of her time travel when she goes back in Nina. At least for me, that was like, oh, because I never quite understood what the fuck was going on inside Nina. All Nina is, is your your float tank that we, they've always had, but with TVs. Yeah, they're playing the security footage that they shot from yes. that day. And they're using that for her to kind of sip into those memories. And then she has some sort of trippy drug that they inject her with before. True. They put her in yes. There. Yeah. True. Otherwise, it'd be just like laying in the water, watching TV in the hot tub, you know, like <laughs> I've been working on this new invention. It's the hot tub with television. Isn't it dope? <laughs> Do you like it? Um, now, here's the I have a theory. Paul Risers, this is what the fuck you've been working on. <laughs> no, it's really neat. It does an electrocutor. Don't knock it till you try it, Dr. Owens. Here, g- grab a brewski. We're going to hang out in it later. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. If he put like uh, Wiley Coyote on in there, would she be like running? She'd be in Space Jam. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. How does the, how far does this go? Have you seen Debbie Does Dallas? <laughs> oh no! Him and Paul Reiser oh, with the Brewskis. Okay. I was thinking, you <laughs> no, know, no, no, no. no. Uh, that's on yeah. you. That's on you. <laughs> yeah, that's on me. Oh shit! I didn't change the tape before Eleven got in. <laughs> Turn Nina off. No. Uh. 
God damn it. Uh, we cut to the uh, interrogation of the kids. So it's Max, Lucas, and Dustin sitting on the couch. And then the dumb and dumber, the cops are standing there. But like all of the parents are around, too, which I guess you have to have your legal guardians around when you're getting questioned by cops. I do want to interject that uh, Powell really is stepping up in the role of uh, chief of police. Because Bef- yeah, before chief Powell's doing good before he was just like he, he wasn't super insane, but he was too lazy to kind of, you know, speak out against his crazy ass partner. And he's still not really speaking out against his crazy ass partner. But now he at least is leading the charge. I was going to say as best as he can. Because Callahan Callahan's is getting worse. still a goddamn sociopath creep. He's getting worse. For what? We'll cut ahead. I'll have to skip over it when we get to it. But now that you got me all riled up, in what fucking universe is it okay or is it professional? Is it moral for you to go get the kids from upstairs for their questioning and impersonate like Big Bad Wolf? The Big Bad Wolf. Yeah. What are you doing? Little pig, little and pig. And then he does that creepy little like yeah, knock on the door where in. he's just like rubbing his phalanges on the door. What? Like, Hello. What are you doing, man? Like you're he, an officer of the law. We were freaking out because Chris, you were like pointing at the screen, like he enjoys this. Yeah, he's what's so fucking creepy? He's a weirdo, man. <laughs> Not a fan of Callahan. Please let him die. If that dude was in <laughs> my family home and my children were potentially being arrested by that guy, and he starts pulling that shit, I would be like, "Can you not?" <laughs> Sir, please. Other officers that I gave a Coke to, can you like say something to your boy? Yeah, the ones that are hydrated, please. And it's good to find out we do have other police officers in Hawkins finally. Jeez, oh, yeah. yeah. So then, and Erica's being a goober. Erica's on their side. She's snitching. Like after season three, I thought she had formed a bond. She had joined the team and she gets back pretty quick. But at first, it's like, I don't know. You just assume there's something that they're doing that's really important, right? I think she was more, uh, I, I, I took it as she was kind of offended that they all of a sudden were like, oh, Eddie, we don't know that freak. She was almost offended. Like, no, oh. Eddie's cool. Like, what are you talking about? Sure. Like, you know, he's cool. Quit lying. That's true. That's true. That's the read. That's the one, Andy. Yeah. I like Steven that. PH, you're the man. <laughs> uh, and fucking Ted. He's such a. Uh, I can't handle it, man. Maybe if you take him down to the yeah, station, that'll them. loosen their lips. Take my children downtown. <laughs> arrest them. Although we're, those weren't yeah, his none children. None of his children were there. Yeah, but he knows they're involved. <laughs> those, they just those ran. Were his children. He's like, yeah, take away Lucas. <laughs> Lucas Max and the one I hate. Yeah, yeah, they're eating all my food. I hate them. I love when he says that, though, because Dustin's like, what fuck you, Ted? He like, yeah. does the arm. Like, I cannot wait for either towards the end of the season or maybe next season. Dustin's going to fucking punch Ted, and I'm here for it. With a roller skate. Ted, he, Dustin's going to smack the shit out of Ted. <laughs> you smack that guy. <laughs> hey, man. What's up? Uh, and we cut back down to the gang and the upside down hiding at the uh, upside down skull rock. Yeah, it's pretty neat. They, that's where they want to go. Even the geography is the same in the upside down. Oh, for sure. They know right where all the houses and bikes are, not where the guns are. We'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Mike Wheeler's house is always close by. Robin goes on a, a rant, a nervous rant about rabies uh, until Steve gets annoyed. And uh, that's pretty funny. She's adorable. And it cuts to uh, oh, <laughs> all- I love the Nancy has guns bit. Yes, that was good. Yeah, because like, as we know, Nancy's really, always. Here's the thing, guys. Again, I'm going to jump around like crazy because there's at the end of this juncture, there's too much going on. I can't contain myself. OK, mm-hmm. I really feel like the whole thing, the whole it's not feeling good to me, guys, that Nancy is set up as this leader. They really upped her cool factor. They're having Eddie have speeches with um, 
Eddie's having a, making a speech to Steve about, hey, man, she definitely loves you. You got to get her back. And all of that smells to me of making it really sad when Nancy dies. Yeah, they have yeah. teed up for either her or Steve to die. And now that they did the Steve fake out, I feel like it, she's on the chopping block. Yes. And she's stuck currently, as we know, mm-hmm. right now in Vecna's hold. And there's no way to get her out. That I'm aware. They could conceivably toss the headphones that Max has up to her. Mm-hmm. But like and play what song? Yeah, what would Nancy's favorite song be? All we know is she's got a Tom Cruise poster. Somebody did mention, I was talking about this online, somebody did mention that they made a big deal of Robin kind of going through her cassette tapes in her room. Oh, that's true, yeah. So maybe that'll come into play, I'm not sure. Yeah, even when the, when this episode was going down and, and Nancy became in peril, I just kept saying, no, no, don't kill Nancy. Because Nancy's, dude, Nancy's always been cool. She's always been a leader. She's always been one of the stronger people. You get Nancy involved and she is a, she's one of the heaviest hitters in that crew. Sure. Uh, she's the one who has the guns. She's the one who's got the smarts, you know? And if they, and really, if you were to pull, like really kill Nancy and take her out of the story, that really puts everyone else at a disadvantage. And you get the dramatic, I mean, think of the scene. If she were to die, Mike and Jonathan and Will and all of them finally show up and you've got Jonathan finding out that Nancy oh, was killed and he wasn't and there. Steve's there to tell him. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, Can you imagine? Like that would be such a heartbreaking moment if that were to happen. Oh and Jonathan's gosh. like, why is your shirt off? <laughs> <laughs> this is your fault. <laughs> What's going on right now? It's all hairy. Nice. Got to shave that shit. <laughs> and then there's a line from Eddie. Uh, so he's like, well, so what is this like Hawkins, but like with monsters and nasty shit. And they're like, uh, mm-hmm. And then, you know, they tell him about the hive mind and the vines. And then, yeah, they do plan to go for Nancy's guns. Um, and then back at Kamchatka or Kombucha, as Steve likes to call it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Enzo and and uh, Hopper have a heart to heart. Hopper seems to have renewed purpose. He kind of talks himself into this. Yeah, I mean, it's a little hammy, maybe, but I really enjoyed this scene. And I guess they had to address his absolute and utter despair from the previous episode and kind of. And his, make a point of him like realizing he's got to get out of here to help L. His new purpose is that if he would just help a little bit if he were to kill the Demogorgon, is that what his new purpose is? Kind of. I thought that's what he was saying. Like maybe yeah. I just have to kill this Demogorgon, but it's it's not because he says something else about um you know I got to get to her or something like that or I need to I don't know even do if it's the last thing I, to help her. Yeah, even if it's the last thing I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and clearly that's not cuz he makes a really big show of trying to get away from the Demogorgon not kill it, you know what I mean? So um, yeah, that makes okay. me that's what makes me think. Yeah, no, right. that wasn't the plan. That's the reason. Either that or as soon as the Demogorgon came out, he was like never mind. So, <laughs> I, we do got to say that you and me were playing down how dangerous the Demogorgons are. We're like they got a little teeth and it's fine like owie, but then <laughs> then we see this scene it's like oh shit. That one's extra mean. <laughs> yeah, that one's hardcore i think they've been slipping that demogorgon straight (laughs) drugs the entire time it's in there because that thing was he does still have the tiny teeth but he like sandpapers my guy's face with it yeah really quickly hard like the bowling ball towels that you see in like (laughs) Like big lebowski (laughs) but with teeth um i love how feral they made it yeah it's angry the the demogorgon from the first season was very like it's stalked and it was kind of slow and it was a horror villain that always walked you know but in this one it's jittery and feral and it's leaping and throwing guys it threw a guy and painted the ceiling with him you know (laughs) smash one dude's face like on the concrete corner like on the awning yeah it was awesome yeah Yeah. that thing was terrifying that was a mean one uh and then we murray disguised as yuri 
pulls up in the van outside of uh, Kamchatka and he's uh, completely shaved his face except for the mustache to, you know, look more like the identification of Yuri. And he's also made uh, Yuri look like Murray. So don't get confused. It's easy. Don't worry. I just want to say you guys kind of laughed at me when we were introduced to Yuri a few episodes ago. I'm like, they, they're very similar. They act the same. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Plot point. Solid, solid I'll call, Stephen. I may not have called the with a B. the one Vecna thing, but uh, <laughs> you're right. They're both pretty uh, eccentric for sure. Oh yeah, I just have a lot more respect for Murray than I do Yuri for obvious oh, oh, reasons. For sure, they're, they're, the peanut they're, butter smuggler. They're opposite ends of the same coin, you know. Peanut butter smuggler, by the way, was my name in prison. Was it? Yeah, weird. <laughs> Yo, how PB did you smuggle the peanut butter? Very cleverly. <laughs> Can you uh, PB snuggles? We cut back. We cut back to in the past, uh, eleven just after being attacked by the bullies. Uh, he's given her like a concussion test. She fails, and uh, and two gets severely punished with like an electro shock collar. Uh, and this scene plays out strangely because you can read it many ways. Um, that Dr. Brenner is legitimately upset that violence is being done to one of his students on the part of another student, um, but it's also pretty sadistic. Like it's a sinister vibe for some reason. Even Eleven's really horrified about it. And then later we get this whole story probably made up on the on the part of um, uh, Peter Ballard, the orderly that Papa, Dr. Brenner is orchestrating all of this on purpose. He's trying to rile the other kids up into killing Eleven. Uh, we don't buy any of that, right? No, not at all. I think that he kind of has a disdain for two because he's good and He's good enough to be cocky, but he's not good enough to achieve the ends that Dr. Brenner's trying to meet. He's like, oh, you think you're fucking hot shit just because you have a little bit of talent, you know? So I think he was enjoying the uh, torturing of him uh, to an extent. It seems you all have forgotten the rules. Rule number one, take your shoes off when you enter the room. (laughs) No shoes in the room, okay? No We've talked about this. The cameras are rolling. Twelve. I thought that was such a an understated and good performance on the part of Matthew Modine. I really enjoy that line when he's like, uh, for many of you, this will be redundant, but it appears that some of you are in need of a refresher. And it, I just thought I was like, really, this is good. Yeah. He's chewing that scenery. And I'm fucking he, I'm having a blast. Like, Two step forward. You're like, oh, boy's about to get punished. Well, he like super singled himself out like Eleven has suffered a terrible wound. And then he's like, yeah, well, she's pretty clumsy and she probably fell. (laughs) Right, guys? Yeah, daps everybody up. (laughs) High fives. (laughs) Loser. All of his dumb friends like, (laughs) oh, man, they're all lucky they didn't get the collar. I'm just saying. Well, we never said bullies were clever. That's true. That's true. Uh, We cut back to uh, Eddie and Steve having a moment in the Upside Down. And that's where he gives Steve that speech about how Nancy clearly uh, loves him. It's the most unambiguous form of true love or exhibition of true love that these cynical eyes have ever seen is what Eddie says. Um, And Steve's like, yeah, you're fucking right, dude. She's definitely going to survive all this and I'm going to get her back. Nothing sad's going to (laughs) happen. We should get the audience hyped about this. That would be safe. I, I love how this this dialogue is setting up a, a couple things, possibly what you just alluded to. Poss- it, it definitely leans into the love triangle a little bit more between Steve, Nancy and Jaybird. But it also plays into Eddie's. It's what is seemingly going to be Eddie's arc. And that is Eddie runs when he's frightened. He he runs from the fight. He's a little bit of a coward in the real world. And I think that's going to lead to the arc where. Uh, in the next couple episodes, maybe Eddie makes a stand and he actually does the the hero play, you know? He's definitely going to have um, a moment 
for sure, because they're building it up that he's very upset with himself for running. But it, so far, he hasn't run from anything that wasn't a definite run moment, you know? So he's being too hard on himself, but I get I, it. I've been wondering if Eddie's going to make it out this season, which would bum me out if he didn't. But, but I think Stranger Things Stranger Things has this habit of introducing exactly. a new character. Y'all love them, and then they kill them uh, in exactly. a grand way. And they're really playing it up that you know maybe he's the like they're playing up that like he's the one who's going to make this stand. That's his arc, and maybe that's how he is able to not suffer the consequences of being the suspected murderer in the real world. Because how are they going to resolve that? They can't. It's I'm having trouble wondering mm. how they're going to bring Eddie back into the real world. And it's like, oh, he's not the killer because reasons. But if he dies and like, true, maybe it's heroic. Maybe it's like, oh, and there could be this whole plot line about how serial killer found dead and the kids will all be sad because he wasn't. I mm-hmm. could see that. But yeah. I also think it's kind of poor writing for exactly the reason that you just said. We all expect that. Yeah. And for that's why I think the brave thing to do would be to kill a main character. And have Eddie join the crew permanently. No, they brought him in so they could have another shoulder length hair brunette. They're going to kill off Nancy and bring him in. He basically (laughs) looks the same and Mm. acts the same. That's right. He's going to learn how to shoot and uh, start studying journalism. And it's going to work out in the end. But I think Jonathan are going to start dating. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) I think that maybe uh, this is the end of the upside down being a secret to the rest of the town. I thought that too. Um, and so like him being the killer wouldn't even be on anybody's minds no more. Mm-hmm. It'd be, uh, oh I God, hope so. Bats are flying around. I hope so. I hope that's what happens. Well, we'll we shall see. There's, there's, I could easily see any of those scenarios playing out. And did you like how I pronounced it that way? Scenario, scenario yeah. made me sound a little smarter, didn't it? It's a Mia scenario. Mario. It's a Mia Mario in a scenario. Um, and we cut to, and I just ruined all of the intelligence. Uh, <laughs> 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 Everybody was like, ah, ah. you're so close. Welcome buddy. to streaming things. Uh, we cut back to uh, Dustin collared by the law. Um, and he's really hamming up the fact that he's been collared by the law. And, and I get it. Um, and he, he says to uh, Lucas, because Lucas is like, do you think they're up in the upside down and or went through the water gate? And Dustin's like, they definitely were not in the water gate. They're not that. Dumb. They don't have any weapons. There's no plan. They would, they're not that stupid. They would never do that. And of course, as we watch that, we know that they, in fact, did go in there. But it was nobody's fault except for Steve, maybe not climbing back in the boat. Um, then we get the little line that Andy alluded to earlier. Erica threatens Lucas with, uh, you guys better cut me in on what's going on right now. Or I'm going to tell Dustin what I found under your bed. Nobody knows what that is. All we know is that it's gross. What is it? A hundred out of a 10. Yes. I, um, I'm, that's what the biggest mystery in all of streaming. <laughs> yeah, right I mean, now. hit the Reddit boards. This is such a little brother, little sister moment. Yeah. Between the two of them because she says that. And then Lucas is like, I, will smother you. <laughs> Literally. Literally. That's, that's such a little kid, brother, sibling thing. I, I, they did that great. And then as usual, Dustin just figures out the entire plot and ex- exposits it to the audience as we desperately needed. He did uh, need that little push from Erica, though. You got to give little, her her due. Just a little push. But Dustin's a genius. That He's the smartest of the children. I think we can all, except for maybe Susie, right? Yes. Yeah. And so every season there's something major that he figures out and they've gone meta with it. And this season uh, you have Eddie. But by the way, that was part of Eddie and du- and uh, Steve bonding was their mutual love, but also annoyance with Dustin. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And it's it, his tone. Yeah, it's his tone. You know, like there's this whole shtick about they're all sick of Dustin's ego, but also Dustin, from his point of view, would you guys just fucking whatever I say? Can we just do that and cut to the chase, please? Because it does seem to be um, what they ultimately end up having to do each season. So it's pretty funny. But he, he breaks it down for us. Um, the the motive of Vecna is to open gates from the upside down into our reality. Mm-hmm. And to do that he, is what the murders are. It's the same connection that L and the Demogorgon had in the first season. And he says that the Vecna is the five-star general to the president. That is the mind flare essentially. Right. Oh, I like that. He was democratically elected. That's cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All the Demogorgon Gorgons are showing up the ballot box. Like I could have a beer with a mind flare. Vote. <laughs> Um, make the upside down great again. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> he just speaks plainly. He's not a politician. Make, make the upside down right side up again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and like I was ex- talking to, again online with some folks and they were like, well, it's just a little kid that said that. We don't know that that's the dynamic. I think the Vecna rules the upside down. And my argument is that I don't know if I said this on air or not, but the, the Duffers have a tendency to speak through the kids, specifically Dustin, and use that to make the audience aware of the dynamics of whatever's going on. They're mm-hmm. almost they're 100 percent of the time correct about their assumption. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, they did that with Vecna in the very first episode or second episode, whatever that was, when there was like, oh, it's, it's Vecna. It's the sorcerer that, you know, it's, it's always them explaining to us yeah. what's going on. Will Will didn't cast protection. He got taken by the Demogorgon. So I took Dustin's theory as to all of that to be the Duffers telling us, you know, this is what's going down. Vecna's the five star general of the Mind Flayer. Right. Is that how you guys read it as well? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the mind. We've seen the mind flayer, and we know what he's capable of. And he's he's really big. Yeah, he did things that Vecna has not done. And it makes sense that the mind flayer is very powerful, but he can't operate without a portal. So, how do you do that? You get someone who makes portals. And as spooky as Vecna is, he's only killed like three people. You know, the um, goopy monster last season killed like fifty. You know, Mm -hmm. at least fifty somewhere around there. And they were all gooped too. That was just like. And that was the mind flare at half his power. That was only like the little bit of mind flare residualness that was left. Yeah, in he was world. only half stock. Yeah. <laughs> or, no, we don't want no full mind flare. He was rocking a softie. <laughs> and then uh, we cut back to um, the gang entering the upside down Wheeler house. Uh, and this is where we find out a huge mystery box. And uh, basically, Nancy, there's no guns there. It's just her old high heels. Robin makes a funny joke. Hey, they're awful pointy, but I was hoping for maybe a de- deadly projectile. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, long story cut to the short is that it's still 1983, November 6, 1983 in the Upside Down. The day that Will was kidnapped. The day the gate was opened. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't know. I don't yeah. think so. Yeah, she, she said, said it was the day said, that Will was kidnapped. She says both. She says this is the day that Will was taken, the day L opened the gate. She says both. Oh, you're right. So L uh, freaked out, opened the gate, escaped, and then Will was kidnapped, and then the boys ran into L that night in the woods. Um, and so this is where I, I put the little pin, and uh, they raised more questions about how Will communicated in the Upside Down, because... The things that have changed in the real world have not been reflected in the Upside Down. The Upside Down seemingly is frozen in time. So how was Will able to see or interact with the alphabet lights that Joyce put up? Because that would have happened after November 6, 1983. And so mm. wh- how, how she strings yeah, the whole the light bright and everything happens, too, so yeah. that, that just apparently you see the, the, the upside the downness of the electricity. 
The upside down surroundings are 1983, but it's still concurrent with what's happening in the reality. Like when you walk through a room, your presence is known to whoever's there currently. Mm -hmm. It's not a time travel thing. It's just like it's frozen seemingly in 1983. But it does raise questions as to why. Um, because I would contend that the first gate was opened in 1979 and the first human to enter the upside down was, um, Henry Creel, as we find out later. So why isn't it frozen in 1989? And if it's Henry Creel with his powers, cause he actually has psychic abilities like a wizard down there. If he's the one that made it Hawkins, because it looks like the upside down originally was just like this matrix revolutions, apocalypse looking place with lightning. If he like used his mental power to form it into Hawkins, why 1983? That has no significance for him. Um, it, well, it hasn't even come come about yet. Like right. if, if he's forming it. But no, what I was getting at was like the paint on the walls, like the the light and stuff that you can interact with. That makes sense to me. But like, there's an alphabet that she paints. Oh. And he says run and stuff, and I'm stuck in the whatever. Like, well, one could assume that if she strung up the lights and he can hear her because he can answer her questions, he can surmise like, okay, I see a light there, there, there. Yeah, I guess that's fair. I could pro- he can probably fair. eventually get I to the point where I think that's just that a band aid on a plot hole because they didn't come up with this when they came up with that. Yeah. yeah. Right. So my bigger question is now that we know, and this is like, there is no answer for it. It just is what it is. Willing suspension of disbelief. Right. Sure. Season one, it was one Demogorgon. You know what I mean? Now we know there are hundreds of Demogorgons. There are young Demo dogs. There are Demo bats. And all Will had to hide from was the one Demogorgon, Mm -hmm. right? Like, cut back now what we know about the Upside Down. He's just in his, like, castle buyers getting mutilated by a hundred bats. Like, like, it's just way harder now. Well, they also... This is uh, Upside Down on hard mode. There seems to be big, like if this was a video game, the reviews would say that the open world is pretty empty because like <laughs> the gang was able to ride around seven miles from the uh, the rock to the, or no, from the house to uh, the trailer park without seemingly running into anything. And so like the, it, it's feasible to well, me. Luckily the, the bats flock. Okay. And so the flock, because if they all split up, they'd cover way more territory. So they're terrible guards and the flock was elsewhere, man. And we haven't seen a Demogorgon in a while. The only one we know of is in Russia. You know, (laughs) maybe there's only one adult at a time. It's like the Sith. Yeah. (laughs) Only one there is. Kind of going back to the Vecna question about like him creating Hawkins. I wonder, I'm wondering if his little realm of the Creel house is somehow slightly separate from the upside down. Like it's part of the upside down for sure, but it's almost Mm. like a second layer to it. It's like the capital. Something because it's so the upside down is mostly blue and you get red lightning and he and when you whenever you see Vecna in his like elements, it's a, or at least his vision quest when he traps people, it's like all red in the and the house is blown up. But we've seen the house not blown up when it's at least in the trailers. You see the house not blown up in the blue side of the upside yeah, we down. We see him in the attic and stuff. Yeah, and so I'm wondering like 
Because when he got, and this might be for later in the episode, but when he gets sucked in, you, the upside down looks like there's two planes. There's a ceiling and a floor. Mm-hmm. And maybe there's some sort of connection like the upside down that we know and love, the blue one is one side and then the vision quest one is the other. I don't know. There's like a lot of questions to be it's answered. His, it's Vecna's mind palace. That's the splody red the room. The mind palace. Because uh, <laughs> yeah, there does, and there's can that Can we call layer. it that from now on? <laughs> the splody <laughs> red room. Yeah, the splody mind palace. Yeah, because Max wanders in there and he's like, how did you, oh fuck, I didn't clean up. What? What are you doing here? <laughs> he was like uh, flying Don't through touch like my stuff. some kind of in-between thing. Yeah, because there's uh, a top and a bottom. So yeah. I, I don't know if he was quite into the upside down all the way yet. I don't know that we'll ever get like <clears throat> uh, zoological answers to these creatures. Sure. Because I think they're intended to be like a Lovecraftian proportions yeah you know like sure. the eldritch demons and th- those don't really have origins or explanations or operate on any kind of natural laws so any hoozle but andy's right he hit the nail on the head as you can tell by our quote-unquote recap right right now this episode uh, broached a lot more questions than it answered um in a fun way uh so then we go back to um what does this note even mean they start to communicate like will oh that's when they do the light bright stuff yeah, because they start messing with the lights and they can hear Dustin and the team in the Wheeler house. And they eventually they go and they, they yep. jack uh, baby Holly's light bright. Poor girl. I know. And give her some Skittles, though. That's true. They're like, she's here's like, some, hey, she's like, here's some Skittles. Don't snitch. I love the line. Um, Does anyone here speak uh, Morse code? And <laughs> yeah. Eddie's like, no. Oh, I know. SOS. Does that help? <laughs> yes, that's perfect. Actually, what the fuck? Why did that not instantly come to mind? I only know we're, we're stuck in the in the upside down. Does that help? Here, this will get a lot of angry <laughs> emails. I'm being dumb here, but uh, what, I'll just be honest. I'm an honest guy. Friends don't lie. What does SOS mean? Uh, people say it colloquially means save our ship, uh, but I think it actually stands for something else. But essentially, it means help. I knew that, but, but like, like, I don't know literally what the acronym means. You know, SOS. I don't yeah. know. I think part of it is that it's like the two of the easiest numbers to or letters to convey because it's like uh, S is like three dots and O is three lines. And oh, so it's just dun 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 bum 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 dun dun dun. Yes. Uh, and I, so I think that which that's sounds like, like save our ship or save our souls is the gotcha. Oh, it sounded like a muse song when we did that. That song slaps. Um, yeah. So that, that's a, that's a really cool sequence. As Steve talked about, I wrote down it's the first time that we see how will did it. Um, and I've always wondered that because I know that the lights seem to kind of get brighter when the Demogorgon walks by in the upside down or whatever, when someone's there in that same mirror place, the lights move and stuff. But I never knew how he was able to communicate with that knowledge, you know, just running in and out of the room and shit, you know, like I just didn't know. But now we see these like ephemeral little light clouds that Nancy gets to play with. They tickle. And they tickle kind of feels good. Robin says, Mm -hmm. and I really like this. I love that whole concept. It was, it was whimsical, especially with the light bright. That was really fun. Um, That beautiful moment where they realize it's working and Dustin squeals in delight and hugs Erica. Um, That was just fun for me. I really like that. Oh, there was one character moment. I I think we might've skipped it. Maybe when they, when they first start talking to each other, or maybe it was when they opened the gate. I'm sorry. It's a it's an interaction between Dustin and Erica where they're like, "Yay, we're right." And Dustin just without looking hands is puts yeah, his that's hand at down. the end. Is that at the gate? Okay. Yeah. And, and Erica like just gives him skin. Like, yeah. oh my gosh. She it's said, such- "This is the craziest shit I've ever seen. I've seen some shit." And then he puts his hand over. Yeah, it's such uh, a good character. Because Dustin moment. again nailed it. 
hot prediction. Um, so then we cut back to Murray and Yuri and the gang again. And it's a moment of fake tension where you think that that Murray's about to be discovered. Um, I hear Yuri has screw loose and you have many screw loose. <laughs> I'll have a good extended laugh with, uh, and I love that way that shot is because it's, it's Joyce in the middle still um, gagged, just looking like, cause she doesn't speak Russian. So she's like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a really comedic moment. There's a really funny moment. That's a little, you know, it's hard to catch, but when the warden's like, you are not the Yuri that I know, you can hear Yuri's gag mouth in the background going, yeah, yeah. Like he's like, yes. Like he's almost, he, it's like he thinks he's finally going to be found out, but no. But no. Yeah. Uh, and then it, we cut to the Russian squid games. Uh, which I just thought was really <laughs> weird. Like we knew that they were feeding prisoners to the Demogorgon, but they seem, and I guess it makes sense because soldiers get bored, you know, they seem to have made like this whole event out of it by now. They've gamified and they it. have rules. They've gamified it. Yeah. And we hear there's like cool game in America called child fights. <laughs> and we do this, <laughs> but with Demogorgon, um, <laughs> Don't worry, we will give you weapons. Like they have this whole thing now where they like throw the key on the ground, but you can't move to the buzzer sounds. We'll give you weapons. And it's just, it's really interesting to me that that, that's the way that it is. Instead of just throw in pit, release beast. Well, I think they want to keep it um, until an, until wow i cannot mm. talk. intellectually intellectually ironically stimulated. that's the word yes. he was trying to say <laughs> intellectually stimulated smartly uh <laughs> when the brain worked good and it worked hard <laughs> jesus intellectually you're saying like they're trying to keep the demogorgon intellectually stimulated is that what you said yeah because they were saying like he's a predator he needs to hunt if it's bored it'll attack them so if that's they, of course the excuse for hey this is going to look really cool on tv yeah. uh to actually give them weapons and stuff yeah. and uh because it doesn't seem like they're actually really studying it they're just no like, we, we got this crazy ass bear <laughs> oh it's like oh shit you know every time they let it out to do stuff that's their science it's, instead of studying like you know it would be cool to do with this thing i know this show it's called child fight let's do that but with People in prison, it'll be really cool. They'll kill them. It'll kill them. <laughs> Their science was, was it still fucked up? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> can can six people win with spear? Checkbox, no. Yet. <laughs> Yet. <laughs> I, there was one funny shot in this whole scene because we kind of talked about how the Demogorgon looks cool and it's more feral but when Enzo and Hopper kind of make it to the door and they're trying to pry it open one guard's like oh they're trying to escape let me shoot them the other guy's like no you think they can get through the door let it eat like <laughs> come on dude that that to me read like the whole the opening scene in Star Wars and they're like oh an escape pod should we shoot it nah it's empty <laughs> right <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well they have to have that line so that people at home don't go why didn't they just shoot them you know, while they were just prying the door and stuff. Mm -hmm. So they needed that shot in there to show that they were overconfident. Sure. Uh, and they were correct. He was correct. He didn't know that his boss was being held captive by a gunpoint. True. They yeah. were not going to get through that door. Even though True. he was like across the way also on like the mezzanine with him. <laughs> like, oh, where what? are they going? They just look like Yuri, take boss for coffee or something. I don't know. He's going to miss the fight. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just getting good. He's going to miss the fight. I got the, I got the, uh, uh, a canister of Jiffy peanut butter. It's going to be great. We're no, we're that's was illegal in the USSR. Darn it. Um, the so says the PB finger. smuggler. 
<laughs> well, so I guess I'll talk about this now because uh, later I have a note called vodka time and uh, Hopper pours the vodka on the spear. And uh, there's this cool. Now we'll talk about it later because there's a ton of stuff there. So we cut back to 11. She sucks at Plinko still. It's really embarrassing. <laughs> Dr. Brenner's fucking furious. You still can't get it to do three. I don't understand. People do this on the prices right all the time. Yeah. Just do don't go they, over. The odds are of not ever hitting three. Yeah, I know. It's like that's a, almost more impressive. That's what I keep picturing because, like, I could get three eventually, and she's just going to accidentally go in there, and she's like, "Yes, you know." <laughs> I did that one with my mind. <laughs> you guys saw it, right? This is my mind. Yeah, that's true. I never thought because she's doing it so many times. It's going <laughs> to. It's going to accidentally land on three eventually. Did anyone else see that? I fucking did it. <laughs> Everybody's just like, yeah, 11s. Woo. No wonder she gets bullied. Uh, and I, I picture Plinko as like the toy nobody wants to. So there's she's over there eating crayons and shit. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, God damn it. One dude's like 28. No wonder he's so mad. We brought that in. That's there for fun. That's not part of your training. <laughs> anyway, um, I'm too tired. That was way not as funny as I thought it was. Um, uh, one and 11 start playing sneaky chess and uh, sneaky chess. <laughs> and it's got like, it's made of birds, yeah, <laughs> which is really confusing. It's just like Al to Hawk six. <laughs> what? I don't know. Just take the key card. Bird me. Uh, and that's when, <laughs> that's when he, <laughs> is that a checker? Checker. checker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you make a checkers joke? Some dumb. <laughs> They're smartly playing checkers. <laughs> That's all chess is. It's bird checkers. That's right. That's right. Some of them can fly. I want to play you in chess later, Steve. I was actually on the chess team in high school. Were you really? Believe it or not. Yeah. Hell yeah. Just <laughs> <laughs> get a ton of chicks. <laughs> What I left out in that equation was I was the worst scoring chess player on the chess team. <laughs> we assumed. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> so uh, the, the orderly's name is Peter Ballard. That's his alias. Uh, and he ends up slipping 11 a key card and hatching this whole plot, convincing her that Papa is evil, which is all part of his propaganda um, to, to get her out of there and go rule the world. She, you know, she's, he wants her, her to be the pinky to his brain. Um, <laughs> Narf. Uh, and he's definitely lying about the papa. And then we cut back to this is when they take Holly's light break. We already talked about all that. Uh, Max is still jamming to Kate Bush. Callahan's the psychopath that wants to pretend to be the big bad wolf. And then uh, we're back to. It's also kind of a weird thing when all the kids' parents are in this in this you know situation that the officer in charge, like one of these one of these punks are going to crack. Like, isn't that a weird thing just to kind of. Yeah, because they're like they're like fourteen or something. It's like you're being. What yeah. the, I mean, you you don't deserve to have a badge. Yeah, and then the, the kids bolt. They get on their bikes. They get Easily. on their huffies. They run. Erica's smart. She fucking knifes the police officer's yeah. tire. You're not gonna follow us. She's like, they're already. We're already serving time. What's yes. another year? <laughs> the law. She's like, it's just a misdemeanor. I'm still a minor. Ha! I'll get out at eighteen. And then we cut back to uh, to ten. We finally get to see ten. Oh my goodness! I love it. 
when we hang out, like, you know, it's like the whole, but it's from Eleven's point of view. And Have we, I ever told you, Ten, that you're my best friend? <laughs> I named you after how many minutes it takes me to do a crossword puzzle. Also, oh, you, you were totally the one did. after nine. <laughs> but it, let's go with the first one. <laughs> Sounds more like we have a relationship. Did you know you got here right before 11? Weird how time works that way. <laughs> and then we get to see uh, two for a moment in his little hospital bed. He's got little Bernie marks on his neck from the shock collar that they put him in. Uh, and then one takes her down to like the boiler room and he tricks her into taking out his uh, power blocker, telling her it's a it's a what's it what's it called? What's the word for that? Tracking device. He called it a soteria. Soteria. Uh, I looked that up when I watched it the first time and it means something cool. It's Greek so, goddess of safety. Nice. Nox, Andy looked it up too. It also is a social, uh, 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 mental health program as well. Is it really? Mm. Didn't know that. I didn't look too much into the program, but it's what I guess you call the type of non-invasive type of programs that help people with, um, so definitely not chips and necks. No, no. Okay. That sounds that, invasive. It's, it's nothing to do with anything. Dr. Brenner's okay with. Mm -hmm. That's true. <laughs> Non-invasive. Oh, check that off the list. Uh, and there's a moment where he shows her, and it's all a part of his ruse, right? But he shows her this pipe that only she can fit through. And uh, he says, this will take you outside to the gate and then the woods beyond. And I thought to myself, she blocked all of this out of her memory, apparently. But she must have remembered that because th is that a like little cool Easter egg? That's like, how that's she, how she got time, out four yeah. years later? Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. So we don't actually know. Yeah. Uh, and we can assume that she ran down to the boiler room and crawled through that pipe, I guess. And they, they point out that pipe in episode, in season one. Like, That's right. It comes out and like that was their. You're uh, right. Good catch. That was like their Star Wars moment. They Rogue One was the whole. The, they had to explain away <laughs> why that pipe let her out, you know, or why the ventilation shift led all the way to the reactor core. Yeah. Okay. We're so close to greatness. We were this close. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay, that's really cool. And then we cut back to vodka time. So Hop douses the spear. I guess he's got like a rag, like a stock or a shirt or something. And he, he wraps the spear, douses it in vodka. The lighter won't light. Meanwhile, Murray and all them, he's karate chopping like six Russian soldiers in there like a boss. His fingers are arrows. And Joyce just starts pressing buttons like it's Murray in an airplane or something right now. <laughs> and uh, the first button, there's a cue, I think, it's probably obvious, but it looks like Joyce accidentally turned off what was probably an electrified fence. Yeah. That the Demogorgon's about to jump out of now, right? Because yeah, the, the yes. guard looked really upset that that was turned off. Yeah, that'll probably happen in the very next episode. Yep. He's going to go around and he's just, and then he'll just blend into Russia and become a citizen. Yeah. He'll, he'll be like, hello, fellow comrade. <laughs> oh, I wish I had some peanut butter. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, and then we cut to the trailer gate. I think this is where the, the gang all meets up at uh, upside down trailer versus reality trailer. And I thought this was just such an awesome concept and whatever. Dustin predicted the physics of it perfectly. Sure. <laughs> um, but I just thought it was really neat. We've never seen this before with like a ceiling and then like, you know, the, the looking upside down at the other, like literally at the other people. And mm -hmm. I just thought that was really neat with the yeah, whole, awesome. the sheet standing perfectly solid on both ends. Would you, you guys like that too? Seemingly that sheet can never be moved. Like if they're if, true, if the, it's holding to where they can climb up, then they're definitely not going to be able to pull it back. So. Well, no, they would throw, if you threw one end into the other one, it would fall all the way into the other realm. 
right? Oh yeah, fair. So if you just get the sheet, at, I don't think they're concerned about the cleanliness of the trailer or anything though. Yeah. Just let it hang, man. Mm, agreed. What's Vecna gonna? <laughs> oh, we have to wait for Vecna. <laughs> I finally have a sheet rope to climb. <laughs> Your Vecna sounds like Saruman. Beasts and birds. <laughs> Your love of the halfling's leaf. <laughs> when, when did Vecna the wise reason for madness? Yeah! <laughs> uh, but I just thought that was a really cool concept. Um, so now one is freed. We cut back. He's got the chip removed from his neck. Uh, he runs into these comically menacing guards. Everybody's a sociopath in this town that has any kind of power whatsoever. <laughs> the little girl and the dumb guy. <laughs> it's just like, why? Um, and then we find out, of course, that uh, he is one and he has powers. He's the one matrix reference, right? Whoa. He kills them all. He even does like a little head twist uh, to snap the last guy's neck, which I felt was too much, right? Like first two guys just get pushed. Second two guys pushed. Last guy dead. I think those other dudes are dead. You think so? Yeah, they're. I think they're dead. Wall slam dead. Yeah, you hit your head on the back of a tile yeah. wall. You're gonna Maybe crack it wasn't wall. Maybe it was just back. You know, most people have sturdy backs. He had, he threw him with enough force that they 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 at least have brain damage. <laughs> I think jury's out on that. I think they're fine. They grow up to have lots of kids and lead nice lives and really regret the well, part that they played in this experiment. Let me throw it back at you this way: in the beginning of season of episode one, when Doctor Brenner was walking around the hall, was there anyone who's like, "Oh man, Doctor Brenner, my head <laughs> got thrown against there"? No, but I would argue that. Uh, a 200 pound steel door got thrown into Dr. Brenner's face and he's fine. Uh, he's got a scar now. Okay. That's true. I had a terrible wound. A terrible That's wound. The scars from the Demogorgon, not the door. I think it's from the door. Cause I was watching that scene back. The, the, his really? blood makeup is where his scar is. Yeah. Does he, we need to check if he's always had that scar. I don't think so. We got to play the tapes back, play the tapes. And we'll get in our little float tank with the TVs in it that we made here. That's how we watch the show. People at home don't know this. A couple we, brewskis. We're getting a three a three way float tank. I told you the <laughs> Nina project would be a hit. We watch Stranger Things via Nina, um, and so I just thought it was neat that the little head crack snap thing was there, and then like Eleven does that move, mm-hmm. and there's another little implication there that like he learned it from he learned it from you, Dad. Um, and then we cut back to the sheet rope. Everybody's climbing up, but Nancy falls into a Vecna trap instead of to safety. And Whoa. I, I literally thought she was going to die in this episode. Mm-hmm. I'm still pretty sure she will, but I thought it was going to, like, as soon as she started falling, I was like, I looked at my, my wife like, <gasps> Nancy, no. That was the, I didn't say that. It was just in my eyes. Um, did you guys think she was going to die when she first started to tumble into nothingness? I did. I did. Uh, and she still may there. There's going to be like a false hope. Like, well, we're going to save her. Nope. We didn't. Sorry. Um, but yeah, that was so fucking good when she's about to climb through and then she's falling again. Wait, hang on. Where's she falling to? And then cut to her like with the eye rolly thing. And God, I got chills. Yeah. That's going to be the, the, the pre title sequence opener of part two is what happens to Nancy and, they might just kill her off in the very first few moments of part two. I hope not. Well, it's kind of like so the sad. Steve with the bats. It's like they have to very quickly address it or people get upset. You know, mm-hmm. um, Walking Dead did that very poorly. And it was it caused a riot. I think it killed the show. I don't know if you guys did you guys ever watch that show up to I watched half of season two and then gave up. Oh, OK. Yeah, I wasn't a huge fan of Walking Dead. Well, there were some really late seasons. Eventually, the character of Negan mm-hmm. came yeah. in. 
Um, and that season ended with him about to kill one of the main characters. They were all lined up like nine of them on their knees in front of him. And he hit someone with a bat in the head and that's his move. So it's like a barbed wire bat. So you're toast. And Lucille, uh, I've read the comics. Yeah. So that season ended that way and you didn't know who he'd hit. And so for nine months to a year, you know, 14 months, something like that, it was like this giant thing. And everybody was furious that that's how they ended a, a long running season like that. And then when it finally aired, they'd let it play out for another like 36 minutes. And it wasn't until toward the end of the first episode that you found out. Like they had done all this flashbacks and other shit. Wow. The, the, the internet, like if there was a digital table to flip up, like that's <laughs> what the internet did. Cause it was just like, you're, you're fucking with us at this point. Yeah. You're not trying to tell a story. Um, so anyway, I think that's why, like, that's how you start mm -hmm. a, an episode after a cliffhanger. You just get right to it. Cause you've done enough. Damn it. Yeah. When he, when they pulled, as soon as Nancy started falling, I, you know, it, it immediately clicked for me. I don't know why it didn't click to me in the beginning, but I was like, oh shit, yeah, a big part of Nancy's character is that she feels immense guilt for what happened to Barb. I love that the Barb thing is her guilt. Yeah, yeah, and it came back in such a great way, and I love the editing of her at the bottom of the pool where like she sees Barb's dead body and it's gross and it makes you so sad because it's like, oh, Barb. And then uh, he starts talking to her and there's this really great cut where it cuts to Barb before she gets pulled into the the pool pulled into the pool pulled in the yeah, pool yeah. and when she gets sucked into the pool it cuts to blood running down yes uh, into it and it's like such a effective cut between two different shots it was super well done it was awesome um and then we cut back to uh from that and basically from here on out you get this uh, i thought glorious undercutting of two exposition exposition dumps you know you have vecna as he is now talking shit to nancy and then you have, um, uh, what's his name? Henry Creel explaining how he's Henry. You know what I mean? It was just this, mm -hmm. you're re they're revealing the fact that he's one. They're revealing the fact that he's uh, Vecna, all this. And that he's Henry Creel. Yes. All this stuff is happening at once from like these two intercut reveals about the same thing. You know what I mean? I just thought it was like, holy shit. This is really well done. Except for, as Andy pointed out earlier, the, the season's worst CGI by far is part of this, mm -hmm. um, but not that intercut exposition reveal part. And I thought the guy from Twilight's acting was fire. Personally, I would. Who is he in Twilight? Caius. He's one of it's the Volterra. Italian guy that hangs out okay, with Martin so Sheen. So I haven't seen him. <laughs> He's one of the Italian guys that hangs out with Martin Sheen. Yeah. <laughs> so I haven't seen him. Only um, seeing the first Twilight movie. Correct. Okay. But basically, the end of the show is. Um, uh, one tries to recruit Eleven. Uh, she says no. They fight it out. Dr. Brenner doesn't get to watch, but he would have been stoked about that. This is the best child fight I've ever seen. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> and uh, With the cameras running. <laughs> I absolutely loved this moment, though, because, you know, it's it's Kali was the same way, too. She trained Eleven that rage and sadness is the best way to tap into and augment your powers. And that's what that's what uh, Peter Ballard, a.k.a. Henry Creel, a.k.a. Vecna, a.k.a. One believes is that, you know, hey, you got to tap into a, 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 a sad memory. 
And she tries that and loses the fight. And then what ultimately helps her win is, I guess, because of his power and he had a hold on her at that moment, he was able to, like, from her subconscious, give her a memory of uh, her mother as a fetus, you know, as as a newborn baby. (laughs) That's the only memory of love that she has. And she uses that. And so love trumps hate. And she's able to beat him with that. And that's why she's more (laughs) powerful. Exactly. It's Harry Potter. It's Star Wars. Yeah. Right. She had the fucking high ground. And uh, <laughs> literally. <laughs> um, so anyway, and I, I just love thought that vi- was great. I love the visual cue of when they are doing their their power off where they just have their hands pointed at each other and they're making stern looks. You know, you've got the lights going bananas mm-hmm. from the, you know, the power. But when she taps into the, the power of love, when she taps into that, all the lights just become insanely bright. And she's almost she's like just all in white light. Mm-hmm. And it's a really cool visual cue of like this is her at her most power. She like all the power in the world is being amplified because of her. And uh, that was super cool. I agree. It just occurred to me, Vecna was saying that like he, the people aren't gone, that they're living inside of him. And that's why he's targeting people with like these guilt trauma things in the past. He's he's pulling their dark memories to power himself like because he taps oh, into point. that he taps into that shit oh i get what you're saying power nice that's a great point you yeah. uh but yeah this this whole thing was expertly done it was wonderfully acted um i i like how they brought back in season one um 11 banishes the demogorgon into the upside down by like seemingly ripping it apart through a portal and it looks like um ash you know, like mm-hmm. fire ash. Like if you were put like a fan on an old campfire, it would look like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and yet the same thing happens to to one in this scene. And we learn our, his motivation for all of this. He's doing it all for the spiders. Yeah. I, 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 I'm sorry, but that I hated that. Where he's like, the spiders are the gods of our world and we're just pests. It's all for you. <laughs> I didn't catch it. I didn't catch a, that he was like trying to remake the world for the spiders. It was just like spiders it, to kill the weak. And so yeah. he's seeing to make balance he learned yeah, from the spiders. The yeah. No, no, no. I understand. It's just the way that he phrases things. He says that uh, spiders are the gods of our world and humans are just a pest. Uh, just the, the phrasing of that is just like, I'm, I'm one of you guys. Yeah. I, was, I wish Hi, I had eight legs. Hi, spiders. Want to hang out? <laughs> hang? But it was neat how like he looks he, like a spider when he, he's in his little. Yeah. When he's attached to the ceiling it's he's it looks the like matrix. the widow symbol he's yeah got, he's got his web yeah he did say that he wanted to be a predator for good that was the line that i wrote down that he said he's thought. gonna kill everybody but for good yeah you know as you do like aliens versus predator when predator blows himself up yeah ha 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 <laughs> there was ha, ha. the only i, I like the spider thing a lot actually because uh just because steve had seen the black widows when they were going through the current creel house but the one thing i hated um was that he said when he's telling his story about what happened as Henry Creel, he's like, and then my father got arrested just as I had planned. Oh, no, yeah. no, it wasn't because you just said you were trying to kill him and then you under overestimated your power and you've passed out. <laughs> so you can't make shit up, bro. The trying plan to cover- that I came up with as I was passing out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm passing out. Hopefully they arrest my dad. <laughs> Exactly. But then he also said, we can reshape the world. He said that to 11. And that's what made me think that he did make the upside down the way that it is today, because he's always wanted to reshape a world. And now he's got a world he can reshape. Yeah. Padme, our new empire. Mm -hmm. I honestly, I have a, we'll get to that section in a minute, but I think all that is intentional. Um, I wrote Vecna's tattoo is dumb. Oh, that's another thing I hated when they zoomed in on the one on Vecna's arm. Mm -hmm. We already knew because you had just match cut from 
Peter Ballard, Henry Creel to Vecna. We didn't need the tattoo on like Vecna's tatted up. Uh, All the other skin burned off, but not that little patch. Well, they, yeah, they like released one of the, the tentacles to show you the tat. And yeah. I just thought that was dumb. Personally, I thought did, it was too much. We already knew he was Vecna. I don't know. I feel like there's a couple people who watch shows like this who are like, so wait a minute. <laughs> You're telling me the Crypt Keeper is the guy from Twilight who hangs out with Martin Sheen? <laughs> I love that that hillbilly knows Twilight. Yeah, for sure. Oh, I'll watch a Twilight. <laughs> I'll watch a Twilight. I like how you emphasize the wrong syllable. <laughs> I drink my Bud Lights and drink and watch my Twilights. <laughs> So that brings us to uh, everybody's favorite segment, other than the Mad Libs, our chocolate puddings. Let's do our top three favorite moments of Chapter 7, The Massacre at the Hawkins Lab. Andy, number three. Number three, just a little moment with Dustin, Lucas, and Max being interrogated by the police and their like high-pitched laughter. Yeah, we were just going for a night swim. And Was Nancy there? Yes. No. Well, we don't know. Well, she was there. But then she left. It's so confusing. <laughs> Just like the, the manic trying to lie on the spot was terrible acted, at it. It was acted out so well by the kids, though. And I, it was a, a little moment of levity in what was otherwise a fairly dark episode. That was a very good moment. Steve, you're number three. Number three is the light bright scene. It was just a, I, I loved getting this answer of, 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 of the lights and how you could communicate. And you, you said this word, Chris, when we were talking about it earlier, you said the word whimsical and it really is this whimsical scene, especially when you see the four teenagers and they're like being illuminated by this, you know, warm orange glow and you get the blue lights behind them. And it, 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 there was, I don't know, there was something like magical story time about it. Yes. That I love. And also we got to see baby Holly. So I'm always, I'll yeah, always, always even though we made her sad. Holly. I know they gave her Skittles. Hopefully she likes them. It's yeah. like gold for children. Yeah. She was like way better trade. <laughs> stupid ass. Toy. I'll get that back later. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Andy or no, my number, my number three, duh. what's your number yeah. three, but nobody cares. <laughs> back to Andy. Uh, my number three is the Russian squid games. Uh, it's kind of a cheat thing. Cause it's a huge climactic moment, but I thought the CGI looked really, really good on that Demogorgon uh, and float, you know, the whole idea of being like trapped in there with him. Uh, I still think it's silly. Nobody puts up a fight at all because again, 16 year old Steve beat the shit out of one. So I just feel like they should have been able to kind of do a little more than they were able to do with that demo. Is it maybe because they had been starving it. And so it was like, oh, I'm so hungry. Whereas the Demogorgons that we've seen have been pretty full. The full of, they ate, ate a whole lot of Bob Newby. He's not a small man, you know? It also could be like... Uh, <laughs> and there was that deer, the one He's ate. really out of his element. He's really cornered. You know, they're, it's more... If it's an animal, you know, it's they're really shooting, upset at this point. They're shooting it with coke. How do they get it to go back in the hole? I really have a lot of questions. And let me... I'm sorry. This is putting not more questions. But none of this shit makes any sense. And I don't care because I love this show, right? Okay. In season one, that Demogorgon is able to open a gate wherever it wants. It like... There's a there's a whole thing where he opens its own gate in a tree. And Nancy goes in there. And then that gate closes and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I always thought in my head that with a mother gate open... The upside down creatures can open one wherever they want kind of thing, you know? Sure. And um, anyway, doesn't seem to be the case, though, because now they made this whole thing about how Vecna can open gates. And I'm like, mm -hmm. the, the, the rabbit can do that, you know? <laughs> um, so anyway, so what I mean by all that is now that there's gates open, that Demogorgon should be able to get out of Russia <laughs> easily and kill everybody. Maybe that's, they're that's standing there with flamethrowers burning the gates and closing it. Maybe. They're smart Russians. Yeah. They're very industrious folk. Yeah. 
They run a tight ship at Kombucha. But, but my number three is Russian Squid Games. Andy, you're number two. Uh, let's see. My name, number two is the moment when we see Nancy is uh, has been mesmerized by the... Superfied uh, by you. Superfied. Hypnotized. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, just the moment where she climbs up the rope and uh, does the little flippy that we've already seen Robin and Eddie do. You think she's going to fall and be like, that was fun, too. But then she falls into hell. And then the, the moment when they cut specifically, when they cut to her with her eyes rolled back in her head and like blinking real fast and stuff like the chills that I got were like goosebumps on top of goosebumps, little goose pimples. Um, it was, uh, so well done and came out seemingly out of nowhere. And like everything that's happening in that moment is great. Like the, all the reveals that start to happen and all of that. And it's the leading up to the climactic moment with, uh, one and 11, but specifically the cut to Nancy, who's still standing in the upside down, just a stone's throw from safety. And she's being trapped right then. Just the dramatic timing of it was incredible. And the way that they did it was phenomenal. I agree. And uh, listening to you talk about it, I had already written my puddings down. And I was like, I think that is hands down the best part of this episode. But I'm not going to change anything. Mm-hmm. So I just want everybody to know that. Steve, you're number two. My number two is the Demogorgon Squid Games. Yay! No, it's just a real fun action scene. Uh, it gets a lot of payoff. You get to see uh, Hopper fight a Demogorgon. That's really cool. You get to see Enzo kind of mixing it up as well. Uh, he gets but, to fight a door. But something we didn't really touch on in the in the recap was uh, Jane and or uh, Joyce and Hopper are finally reunited. And oh, it's, yeah, true. It's a really lovely moment just seeing the two of them kind of like... The door is open and they see each other. And Why didn't they kiss? They just hugged. And I'm like, just kiss her. They haven't had their date at Enzo's yet. Oh, that's true. Maybe they will go to this Enzo's for a date. <laughs> and then they'll kiss. Oh, On the okay. lips. A date at Enzo's, meaning the Russian guy, the man with no face? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the man with no face fighting the monster with he no face. He has no name. Oh, that's well, true. He's a, he's he's face a, a faceless, faceless man. man. Um, He's among the faceless men, but the man has no name. That's right. I was mixing that other two than, things. Other yeah. than Jack and Hagar. <laughs> that, that just, <laughs> a man has one name. Not going to lie. He has two names. He's also called Antonov. Antonov. Uh, my number two is the light bright scene. Uh, I love that scene. I thought it was awesome. And it, it's the first time in this season-ish. Not really, but it's more rare nowadays. We get back to like the Spielbergian Stranger Things for a moment, like kind of Close Encounters, E.T., Whimsy, um, and away from, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street and and It. And uh, it was just, it felt really good. It was so fun, especially the moment again where Dustin like realizes that it's working and um, it's really nice. I love that moment. That is my number two. Andy, what is your number one favorite moment? I really want to know how they made, how they did the light bright thing because it looked so cool. It was really cool. Um, It's like a custom made thing. Uh, However, they did that little programming to make it do the things that it did. It was wonderful. Uh, But no, my number one is uh, you guys called it the Demogorgon uh, Squid Games. I called it the Demogladiator, but the same thing. It's all the people in that thing. Just that Demogorgon wrecking house was fucking awesome. And it was like, this is just one of them, guys. And like, so just to establish the stakes for everyone else, like that one Demogorgon loose in the motherland is going to turn it into the fucking sister land or something. I don't know. Mm. I was just trying to do a step down from there, but it didn't work out. I'm sorry mm. for that. It's okay. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, just the, the action of that, like when dude got his face sandpapered off by those little, little teeth, that was nuts. Other dude getting his face smushed up on the wall. 
Like that thing was wrecking house. And like, we got a little moment of bravery from Enzo. Chris, you uh, made the joke. And it's funny that he, he got to fight the door, but he actually did try to go at it. Thing just like disarmed him immediately. He was like, how about you? And then thing just like knocks. I it loved out. how it was very, um, probably it was like Jurassic Parky. You know what I mean? It felt like, uh, what's the word? The Velociraptor or something, because when it opens the door, it jumps over the first row of people and like in a, in it was a, like you were saying with the little bats that are guarding the gate and you can just jump right over yeah, through the gate. Yeah, exactly. Could he wouldn't have been stopped by those bats. He'd have gone right in there. But yeah. For like the attacks, like, you know, because I think it's Enzo and Hopper and are in stuff. front. Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it's scary when he comes out like, Oh no, Enzo. And he jumps over him and then gets the guy behind him. So I just thought it was clever. I thought for sure you were going to get that guy first. Cause there's this <laughs> moment of like, uh, Oh, thank God. Oh fuck. You know, <laughs> and it's just really quick and it's just nice. And the way that they like cut to black and then like bring it back and he's shooting out the door and stuff. Like it, it was uh, very terrifying. Absolutely. Steve, what is your number one moment of chapter seven? Uh, my number one, this is a little bit of a cheat, but it's basically the entire ending sequence. The much. whole intercut thing. I almost yeah. did that. And I was like, I'm not going to be a complete piece of shit. I'll, I'll be that. I'll, <laughs> I'll be a total piece of shit because it's fucking great. Like starting with Nancy slipping into the, yeah. the, the Vecnaverse, uh, Vecna's mind palace. Um, and, and also, you know, one and 11's climactic battle and you can, and just the, the reveal of, of, you know, who is Vecna? How does he tie into the fifties? How does he tie to 11, which was something we weren't really talking about this whole time, but it was just, it was just so well done. And it, it makes me like when it ended, I was just like, fuck, that's good. I wish I could keep going, but that's a good place to stop. And it's just expertly done. Loved it. Loved it very much. Hard agree. Uh, my number one, I kind of split up a moment that you put together into two. Um, the Hopper and Joyce reunion is my number one. It's just the way that they shot it made it so much more impactful than I thought it was going to be. Cause it's not like I didn't know it was going to happen even before the season even aired. Like, you, you know, um, and Hopper, the way that they, they, so they're on his left side and they shot it like a side scrolling video game. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's, he's got his, <laughs> he's got his fisty cuffs ready and he's kind of shuffling out through the, like, God damn it. What's next? And walks through the door and you see his reaction before you see what he's reacting to. Cause the last time we saw Joyce, she was up in the control room. Uh, but you, it dawns on you and, and then it pans. I don't know. I know pans, not the word, but then it shifts around him to the front. So you can see more of his face and there's just like such relief, like even more so than when he saw the penis butter in the storage room mm-hmm. uh and then you, it cuts to what he's looking at his pov and it's joyce standing there with her relief um and then she hugs him and but he's he's been in jail now he's been in this prison for over six months so you got i mean that's he's been destroyed emotionally yeah. and physically and so he doesn't actually hug her back yet he doesn't know that she's real mm-hmm. and it's played so well and you can i'm getting chills now talking about it and then you can see enzo in the back and we've come to love him very quickly because he's just like oh my friend he's got his oh shit it's his lady he's got i'm going to cry in front of the other guy you know <laughs> and, and um <laughs> don't look at me <laughs> but then finally he's like oh my god she's really here and then he hugs her back and it's it's oh chef's kiss what a great moment in the background too yeah and and that's another thing we didn't touch on is when joyce sees that's why i didn't talk about it in the recap i wanted to wax on it in my my pudding i see but even when joyce sees hopper in the pit when they're going over the the game show rules yes even that's a powerful moment because you just see just her like he's there he's alive that's that's such a powerful moment but he's like in a pit yes that's not you never want to be in a pit they threw a key at him what's happening here 
Yeah, the uh, the dramatic tension of that setup is so intense because, you know, he doesn't know that Murray and Joyce are right there and they're so close, but so far from saving Hopper. Mm-hmm. And then when she hears the roar, she's one of the very few people in the world that have experience with that creature. And so the horror, you know what I mean? The confusion. It's good. It's good. It's good. It's a good show. It's good. It's, it's good, a good, show. good show. This is a good show. It's streaming things. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Now let's talk about some egos. Any Easter eggs that we were able to find in this episode? Gentlemen, Andy. Only a couple. I mean, uh, obviously, Eddie brought up the Aussie thing, and I, mm-hmm. I, he explained it. So I don't even know if you can count it an ego at that point. Is right, you know, the yeah. real Aussie thing you did there. He's like, "What? Ozzy Osbourne bit of bat? This is an bat, ego, you know? <laughs> this is <laughs> this is an ego, yeah, pretty much." I did finally get to see uh, the patch on the back of his jean jacket was Dio. I had been wondering throughout the entire season what that oh, was. Oh, nice! And it's, it's Dio, and so that was pretty cool. Um, any other ones you want to drop out? Uh, let's see here. Uh, the, the last one was another obvious one. Erica saying, please be kind, rewind when, uh, she's trying to get Dustin to, uh, reiterate the explanation for why Vecna is targeting certain people, which is obviously a, uh, VSR or VCR, uh, VSR, VCR rental thing, which is VHS. Hey, some of the kids listening might not get that. Got the acronym eventually, you guys. V H S in a V C R. Yes, never nary an S. There was a uh, throwback thing though at the family video. There was a sign that said you could rent a VCR for like four ninety nine a day, which is a shitload of money in the eighties. Yeah, for sure. Also, you can't leave them in. Do you remember when they would always have a melted VHS tape on display to show you not to leave them in your car? Yeah, yeah that was awesome. Um, Steve, what what egos did you find, buddy? Uh, there are a couple. So one thing that's been bothering me this whole season is that the demo bats have been reminding me of something all fucking season and it's mm-hmm. been driving me nuts. Like, what do these remind me of? What are these? Iron Maiden. Me? I already said that. <laughs> oh, you're right. Let me cross that off my list. <laughs> Wizard of Oz. <laughs> no, it, it, and it finally, like, and I don't know if this is what they were going for, but it clicked for me like, oh, these remind me of Minox. Do you know what Minox are? No. They're the little bat things in Empire Strikes Back that attach to the Millennium Falcon when they're in the, uh, they think it's a cave, but it's actually a giant slug monster. And they're like, oh, the Minox are chewing on the power cables again. Damn it. No. Could have been uh, Saruman's spies from Fellowship of the Ring. Steve just Grimm pushed from Steve just pushed up his metaphorical <laughs> spectacles onto the bridge of his nose. Uh, remind me of mine. Let me school you on the world of mine. <laughs> I've told you about the Star Trek snack. Gosh. Now I'm sorry. Can you say that one more time? Gosh. I don't remember. Close enough. I don't remember what you said. Gosh. Okay. Uh, <laughs> fucking nerd. <laughs> We already talked about uh, Soteria. That was kind of my my big gun that I was bringing to this loaded, but we already used it. <laughs> that was like Murray's little pistol now. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. Uh, the fact that Nancy is now being tar- targeted by Vecna is a v- huge uh, Freddy Krueger. Oh, uh, Nancy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're my nightmare now, Nancy. Yeah. I also want to say that I've been talking about Freddy Krueger feeding on fear a lot, but it's it's Pennywise that feeds on the fear, like literally consumes the fear. Um, yeah so i we get what you're saying he haunts their i just want to throw that out there you know whatever um erica brings out the show Gunsmoke, classic cowboy mm, western classic. movie or Dad tv was a show huge fan of that show uh there was a shot of coke classic a very obvious easter egg um but the music that's playing in um the last half when when one's kind of expositing you know his backstory and all that there's that like really creepy song it's a song that i'm familiar with it from the movie uh watchmen 2009's watchmen it plays during the creation of dr manhattan very similar type of scenes 
they're they're kind of explaining this like all powerful being being and how they came to be. But it's originally from a uh, non narrative experimental film in 1982. I'm not going to pronounce this the name of this movie correctly. <laughs> it's like Koyanastasi. Mm, just just, just look at that. Nailed Andy, it. I'm looking at I'm showing Andy. Koyaniskatsi, yeah. Yeah. But the, the composer is Philip Glass, and it's like a really, really great, you know, I feel like it's a classic type of haunting music. It plays in a ton of stuff. I'm gonna hop in there, Steve. Can I can I hop in? Dude, hop! Good find. That music is to intentionally from 2009's Watchmen. Uh, because Vecna is a uh, Easter egg-ish guy compared to Dr. Manhattan. And I have lots of evidence. That makes uh, sense because he went Watchmen, back for his watch. He was created. Dr. Manhattan was created in 1959. Just like oh, Vecna. Oh, yeah. The pose that he everyone does when they're about to die, including Max hanging in the cemetery, is the pose that Watchmen is always, or the Dr. Manhattan's always doing on like the covers and stuff, Ooh. floating there like that. Yeah. Uh, the clocks is a direct reference to Dr. Manhattan's fascination with the clocks. His, Dr. And Manhattan's father was a watchmaker. His father was a watchmaker. The final nail in the coffin. Do you know what year Watchmen's Alan Moore's comic was published? Was it this year? It was 1986. Hell yes. Ooh, solid shit, my dude. I didn't make up any of that. I got it off the internet. (laughs) Hey, I was still awesome. Yeah. I was knocking on the door of it. But Steve found the Watchmen music thing organically. And that's Um, what, that teed me up. What's the name? I forget the name of the actual song. If you want to check it out and download it, I think it's, uh, oh, it's Prophecies. That's the song. Um, But it's, yeah, it's a very classically haunted song. And Watchmen's one of my favorite properties of all time. I'm a huge fan of Watchmen. It's my favorite comic. So the fact that you've pulled this in as an Easter ego from Watchmen to Stranger Things, we finally made that connection. It's like, (gasps) my fandoms are colliding. They're complete. I do love that comic. Andy gave me a copy when I was like 15. And the Grimloins or whatever. Do you think if you show this to Alan Moore, he'd hate it? (laughs) I would love it. Super uh, amiable, I hear. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Alan Moore. I've got Morris some more. And these stunning are, personality. Uh, the rest of them I just made up. Um, Shawshank, I think, is a definite ego, but that was recycled from the first time they showed this pipe in season one. I think I remember talking about Shawshank, mm. but they do the Shawshank shot again with Peter Ballard. It's hard to say. Yeah, Shawshank, Shawshank shot. shot again with Peter Ballard in Eleven and the pipe in Escape to Freedom kind of thing, right? I think that's intentional because mm. they do. A, it's a Stephen King property, and they do a lot of Stephen King stuff. Um, I don't know. This is our huge stretch. So Henry Creel is Vecna's real name, but he goes by the alias Peter Ballard in Hawkins Lab. PB Patrick Bateman peanut butter peanut butter <laughs> I don't know if it's a Patrick Bateman intentionality thing but I feel like it is because he does that Peter, bloody psycho massacre Peter and Ballard to go another step further that character Christian Bale has said he based on Tom Cruise which Nancy has a poster of boom, in boom, her boom. room <laughs> <laughs> well he does a lot of the Duffers do that a lot like um, Lucas is named Lucas because of George Lucas um uh, there's a whole bunch of them. All the kids are named after like famous eighties directors well, and stuff. Fred and Jason in this season. Yes, absolutely. And then this last one is a way out of left field, but I think they're very much aware of the star Wars comparisons and it's on purpose. I think, I think the refit that's like kind of a revenge of the Sith ego, especially when, uh, and this is a huge stretch. Uh, Henry Creel is flying through the upside down for the first time and he's getting struck by lightning and stuff. It looks like it looks like Anakin melting in Mustafar to me a lot. I think it's on purpose. 
Okay. There's that like it looked dead on like that. Like, yeah. Even like with the red lightning and stuff, like all that happened in the volcano. Because you know when he cr- crawls out of the lava and he's all angry, I like that. You. The half face with the color grading looked identical, and I was like, "That's got to be on purpose." He's even got the same hair as Anakin. They're like Kenobi's coming out the same weekend. And <laughs> we can do this. We can do this. <laughs> Uh, and that's all the egos I have. Anybody else have any they want to throw out there? Nope. I'm just one trying to figure out what Peter Ballard could be named after. Maybe J.G. Ballard, the uh, mm-hmm. dystopian author. I'm still going with Peanut Butter or Patrick Bateman. All right. <laughs> it's time for everybody's favorite. Let's read the Mad Lib that Steve and Andy created. Ooh. This is called Robin Cracking the Code. The Silver Woodpecker feeds when blue meets mauve in the West. A trip to Belgium sounds nice. Mm. If you line dance lightly. Hmm. What could that mean? Well, what could it mean? Pickpocket a minute. The cheesemaker from earlier. <laughs> Pickpocket a minute. <laughs> the cheesemaker from earlier. He had a silver woodpecker on his uniform. That's it. Okay, think. Chris, think. A trip to Belgium sounds nice. Oh, I bet that's something in the food court. Oh, there's Swiss cheese on a stick. <laughs> no, that's not right. Maybe Cape King. No, it's not that Cape either. King. Ooh, aromatic panda. That's the tip. And tread lightly. That has to be a leg brace store. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> Oh my God. Wow. That's How amazing. Good is that fit? I'm going to go get my leg brace at Tread Lightly. <laughs> That's amazing. Yes, it's Cindy Lauper shoes. All right, just one part left. When blue squirts yellow in the West. Ew. That's the, the clock. It's got blue and yellow toes. And when they meet in the West, it's like eight, three. That doesn't make any sense. Oh, my ragamuffin. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my ragamuffin. Wait till the dingus is here. I crack the code. Oh, my ragamuffin. Tread lightly. Wow. That was amazing. And that was Robin cracking the code. That's about all the time that we have for our coverage of chapter seven. Tune in soon for our recap of all of part one, our predictions for part two, and the mailbag episode. Yeah, write in or call in for the mailbag stuff. We want to hear from you guys. We've already got quite a few really good emails, but write into streamingthingspod at gmail.com and make sure to, you know, identify yourself and from where you are writing to have it be the most fun. But if you want to be anonymous, that's cool. Or call us 859-757-4051. That's right. That's all the time we have for right now. My name is Chris. I'm Andy. And I'm Steve. This was Streaming Things. streaming things we would like to thank our patreon subscribers thank you phil carmelita carrie enza thank you cake katie jimmy sarah e lopez kyle thomas shay stephen v a wells and danielle Love you treat it like spoken word. (laughs) 
Let's do the the uh, William Shatner spoken word. <laughs> you want to sleep with common people? <laughs> <laughs>